This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. One-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. Over the shoulder catch by Kirk in the end zone for a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, Mike Jurecki, and 13-year NFL veteran Drew Stanton. I'd say we got pretty good timing here this week, given the news of the day. We are fortunate here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by Seed Geet. Get your seat in a seat to have a former teammate of Tom Brady with us. It is official, Drew. Brady is done retiring after 22 seasons, and you are part of some exclusive company as far as being teammates with him. It was, what, two months? A month and a half? I mean, but yeah, in case you might have missed it, Tom Brady done after 22 seasons, the past two seasons with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, Drew, you were with him last season in a Super Bowl. I know you've got uh, some great thoughts on yeah. uh, on him. I mean, we were teammates for all of six weeks. but yeah. <laughs> Six weeks, I mean, okay. We, uh, but in saying that, to see the way he worked each and every day, um, uh, there was not a minute wasted, and it was no surprise. I think more than anything is you hear about guys, uh, and not just Tom, but a lot of guys that have played for a high, at a high level for a long period of time. And so you already have these preconceived notions of who they are, how they operate. Those were just reaffirmed. I mean, the way that Tom went and put everything forward, and I know myself at the same time, though he accomplished way more in his career, I knew what it took for me to be able to be a part of a team to survive as long as I did. And all of a sudden, you start having kids and you start you know, wanting to be around your wife more and relationships. And when you feel like football starts going down the level of importance, then it's probably time to step away. And that's really where my measuring stick was is I gave everything that I had to this game for 13 years, and I just didn't want to do it at the same level anymore. So I knew I owed it to the organization that was paying me, my teammates around me, all of those things. So I would, I would, you know, venture to say that's where Tom was at. And if you read between the lines of what he was saying, that's how he landed where he was. It's unfortunate that ESPN had to try and take this information and run with it because he was trying to pay respect to the game that has given him so much of the the championship games, which I think was great. And so the, the back and forth and, and the trying to be the first one to announce it, it's a little uh, disheartening, but at the same time, it's the era we live in. Are you at all surprised considering how well he played this past season. I mean, he's going out leading the league in completions, passing yards, passing touchdowns. He's still at the top of his game. Yeah, I mean, but the 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 guy we see on Sundays, what it takes to, to be that guy on Sundays, Monday through Saturday, isn't as easy as it used to be. And, and the battles you fight, and he's also smart enough to recognize each year is different. You know, if you look at last year and what he was able to accomplish – uh, apart from the New England Patriots, he cemented his legacy standing alone from Bill Belichick. He did that. That's a huge measuring stick for him. He's got all the pieces back in place of guys getting coming back, and everything kind of fits in there, and you're thinking, okay, as long as we stay healthy, we can go out there and maybe repeat again, and then you ride off into the sunset. 
that wasn't the case. Chris Godwin, who is as good as it gets as a complete wide receiver in this league, is blocking and doing everything in that system. He gets hurt. That is a really hard person to try and fill that void. And there's different guys, you know, that, that just they weren't able to put it all together like that championship run last year. And, and you take a step back and, and you unwind and you say, okay, do I have what it takes to try and do it again? And, and obviously he doesn't. So, you know, kudos to him for being able to make that decision right now. Um, there's some other guys that have some pretty lofty decisions. And, and when you're aware that you are the face of not only the, the franchise but of the, the NFL, people are fawning at your every word. And you are trying to do right, and that's an immense responsibility to do that. Uh, but he kept his priorities, his priorities and stuck to his guns, and, and now we can also sit back and talk about you know the greatest quarterback or greatest player to ever play the game. Is there something that stands out to you above anything as far as accomplishments? I mean, the one, 22 seasons, but 20 full seasons as a starting quarterback. He missed one season, well, his first season, he was the backup, and then he missed one season, basically the entire season because of an injury. But in half of those 20 seasons, half, 10 of 20 years, he reached the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's remarkable. And then you talk about not only the regular season, his playoff accomplishments, right? Those are another season or two almost in and of themselves of what he's been able to do. So you look at this man and his body of work, and there's nobody that even comes close to that on paper. But I think the thing that stood out most to me about being around him for that time period is how meticulous he was. He wasn't one step ahead of everybody else. He was two, three steps ahead of everybody else. And the way that he could rally the people around him – uh, and I've talked about it on this show before, he's never taking unnecessary hits. The Peyton Mannings of the world, the Eli Mannings of the world, the longevity they had is because they're not fighting for extra yards. They're not the Carson Wentz's of the world that are going to take three guys on for no unneeded reason. They're going to stand in there and make a throw when the game's on the line and they have to, but more times than not, they're even the way they finish their throws, right? They're finishing and not putting themselves in harm's way or exposing it. All of this is done for a reason of why they're doing what they do, and, the, and it showed on why they've been able to go out there and be some of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play versus some of these guys that are so extremely athletic and gifted and talented, but they rely on other things as opposed to being a true student of the game and understanding situational football. When can I take a sack here? When can I get rid of the football? When do I throw it away and not take a hit? When do I have to scramble? I mean, we saw him scramble this year and fight for extra yardage. That's a needed time, but that's a calculated risk because of all of these things. So that's the lost art in playing this position, in my opinion, because you see so many of these guys and we get toughness misconstrued with being intelligent because you get it all bound up and saying, well, this guy doesn't want to take a hit or he's chasing ghosts or he's worried about any no he's just smart and he's aware that there's a 16 well now 17 game season and the best ability as BA used to say is availability and Tom Brady was that in spades not the most talented player to play that position as far as arm strength legs the entire package that we see on quarterbacks this day and age i.e. Kyler Murray but you mentioned it between the years and the intelligence and knowing what's coming before that play happens and knowing where to go with the football in split seconds, and as great as Brady is, there are four teams in which he does not have a winning record against. The Broncos, the Seahawks, the Saints, and the Cardinals. Only two games he played against the Cardinals. Never played at State Farm Stadium in the regular season. He's got two Super Bowl appearances, though, at State Farm Stadium, but never a regular season game against the Cardinals. That one turned out pretty good for him the last <laughs> Yes, it did. Year. But Yeah, we had Jimmy G that first year, right? He came in and made his first start, and 
Yeah, no, yeah, that was. Well, that. We don't need that to worry about 2016. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't have to rehash that. But yeah, I mean that's that's quite a feat for uh, what he's been able to accomplish to it, be one of those teams. His win over the Cardinals came at Sun Devil Stadium, and then the Cardinals went to Foxborough and lost later on. But uh, yeah, one and one in his career against the Arizona Cardinals. As we kind of bring it back locally here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by Seat Geek. Get your seats in a seat, and there is one more game to be played here, which we will talk about and look back at Championship Sunday. But there is a game coming up this Sunday. In fact, it is the Pro Bowl, and there are five Cardinals that will be a part of that game. DJ Humphreys announced on Monday he'll join Buda Baker, James Conner, Chandler Jones, and Kyler Murray. Five total players, the most for the Cardinals since 2015. I know the Pro Bowl has kind of looked at its, I don't know, hit or miss as far as some players. For some, it's a big deal. For others, when you've been there several times, it's not a big deal. But it is an opportunity, I think, more than anything else, Drew, is for these players, whether you're in the NFC or AFC, to kind of get together and maybe talk a little shop. Yeah. And some and a little downtime. Yeah, you know, I think that the approach, and it's an honor to be voted into that, and I think a lot of guys treat it as such. There's other guys that that have been there numerous times and appreciate the honor, but their bodies beat up. You know, it's the, this is a long season and it takes its toll. So to be able to do that and to be able to have that many Cardinals represented is a tremendous honor. And guys like Buda Baker that should consistently be in there every year because he's that talented, you're not surprised by it anymore. But guys like DJ Humphrey that get this opportunity to go be around the best and talk about it and chat it up and and do all of these things because I've had a lot of friends that have played in them and be, been a part of them and seen them. And, and just to get that kind of talent in a room, um, you know, the game is what it is, right? Like you're trying to not get hurt, but they're having fun and they have done some different events. I mean, my son was just asking me about it. He's like, are they still doing dodgeball, Dad? You know, they've found ways to make it inter- interesting with the skills challenge. And it's just a neat way to honor these guys and the families come. I mean, when they had it here, Greg Olson is a good friend of mine we went to the Biltmore and hung out with everybody it's just a laid-back atmosphere and it's so neat to be able to kind of wrap the season up because you're not the team that's going to the Super Bowl but to be able to honor these individual accomplishments because those need to be rewarded as well and it wasn't a great finish to the season for the Cardinals but at least there's something for those five players and fans of the Cardinals to kind of look and say all right 11 wins does mean something and is represented by those five players. Oh, without a doubt. Some of them even have incentives in their contract. So, you know, that, that's another uh, cherry on top if they did. So kudos to them. Pro Bowl coming up on Sunday at 1 p.m. at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Much more on the game and those five Cardinals players all week long on azcardinals.com. Subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Listen to your favorite shows on the go. Go to azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. We talked about it, hinted at it. Championship Sunday, the AFC and NFC representatives headed to Super Bowl 56. We'll touch on the Bengals-Chiefs game as we continue here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Burrow looks, floats, left side, caught Jamar 
Cincinnati. And the Bengals are back in it. Out of the gun, Mahomes a deep drop. Has time. Looks for the home run ball downfield. Knocked away and intercepted. Off the deflection, Vaughn Bell's got it. And he's tackled at the 45. Cincinnati comes away with a huge pick. And now the Bengals with a chance to advance to the Super Bowl. And they would in overtime, upsetting the Chiefs 27-24 in overtime. Evan McPherson, a 31-yard field goal after Von Bell picked off Patrick Mahomes on the third play of overtime. And, yes, Kansas City did win the coin toss again. Ian Eagle on Westwood (laughs) 1 as we talk a little AFC championship game here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Craig Riolu, Drew Stanton, and Mike Jarecki. First time. Time in 33 years, MJ, Cincinnati in the Super Bowl, first time since 1988. Yeah, you know, it was, it was refreshing to see Mike Brown hold up the Lamar Hunt championship trophy, very similar to Mr. Bidwell when he got the George Hallis trophy. And, you know, you look at it, they were 4-11-1 last year. The year before, they were 2-14. and And you got to give Zach Taylor, obviously Joe Burrow's going to be a, a, you know, a guy's got a bright future. But the fact is they – go on the road, and they beat a quality team. The interesting thing, Mahomes in the first half, 18 of 21, 220 yards, three touchdowns, quarterback rating 150, four for four on third down. Second half, 8 of 15, 55 yards, interception rating 34, two for seven on third down. You've got to give the Bengals' defense a lot of credit because he was night and day from the first half. It was 23, excuse me, 21 to 3 heading into halftime. In that first half, the Chiefs could do no wrong. I mean, they were moving up and down the field, and we can talk about the end of the first half, but those first three scoring drives, Drew, I mean, it was – it didn't even look like the Bengals belonged on the football field. Yeah, I mean, the, it was uh, it was unbelievable to see them and how in rhythm they were of just picking up from the week prior, right, of just going out there and at will uh, being able to do these things. But it's a testament – to that defense of those guys to continue to come and stick to the rush lanes and do all these things because as good as Patrick is and he is marvelous at times sometimes it's the freestyle right and you saw at the end of the game where it becomes that and the the number that stuck out to me so much is these third downs right situational football as we've talked about on the show numerous times and turnovers they lost the turnover battle Kansas City did and then it completely flipped in third down where Cincinnati offensively did a, such a good job and we talk about Jamar Chase at length and he is so tremendously talented I mean I, when they drafted him I was like how do they not draft an offensive lineman to protect their franchise quarterback well because this kid was that talented and that good I mean you get the ball in his hands he can do those things. But not only that, you look at, at the entire wide receiver group and what they're able to do on third down. I don't know how many third down catches he had, but those other guys were now getting the ball on third down, and that's what kept the chains moving and kept them alive. And again, this team just never felt like they were out of it. They can't. They have come from behind. That is who they are, you know. And not that we want to compare everybody back to the Cardinals, but the Cardinals never were able to get things going when they weren't. This team is the complete opposite, where they never feel like they're out of it no matter what. And the resiliency that it takes to be still playing football right now is what you have to go through and these guys are battle tested their their defense stepped up their offense stepped up and that rookie kicker (laughs) you know is the third dimension that nobody talks about because he's making field goals he's doing all of these things that that are game winners to put them in in the Super Bowl now with a chance to win a ring you mentioned the decision that the Bengals made in the offseason going with 
wide receiver as opposed to offensive tackle. As a quarterback, what do you prefer? Is there a preference as a quarterback? Well, from the outside looking in, we're like, why would they draft him? Because they have Panay Sewell still on the board that can be a franchise tackle. Had I been Joe Burrow and known that Jamar Chase is as good as he was and everybody was saying, oh, he's better than Justin Jefferson coming out of LSU and everybody saw what Justin Jefferson's done now throughout the course of his career, it's like, okay, now I see why they took him. And now that because even in, that, in their first matchup in the end of the regular season, he's throwing the ball up with supreme confidence that Jamar Chase is going to come down with it. It is a DeAndre Hopkins type of difference maker that you went and got with the fourth overall pick because you have the luxury of doing this. And these guys already have a rapport together. It's not like they're building something out of nothing that's already there. It's been established for the time period. And he's already got the respect of everybody in that room, Joe Burrow does, because he knows Jamar Chase from college. And just that alone, I think, is supremely underrated because they've already been working on these nuances that sometimes take a little bit of time to iron out. I'll say this, though. When you, when you look at uh, Pure Line's 40-yard touchdown before the half, that was really important because mm-hmm. now it's not 21-3, it's 21-10. Um, but would you, would you just look at it from a standpoint of, you know, what they've accomplished? Because they, they were we went and got Trey Hendrickson. He was with the Saints, and he a lot of people question, why are you going there? Now, I will say this, though. They're going to have to address that offensive line. Now, he was, sacked, he was sacked 11 times. Two were negated, so he had nine sacks. And I guess his headset went off, so he was actually calling plays in that Titans game. And obviously, you know, Ryan Tannehill throws the three. He started the game with an interception, two in the second half. So you talk about turnovers, third down. That cost him the game. But uh, it's I'll tell you what, it's, it's exciting if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan because it's been a long time, and here they are playing in the Super Bowl. No analytics site. The over and under was six and a half going into the season. They all got it wrong. And no one's going to give them any shot in two weeks against the Los Angeles Rams. That's going to be the narrative for the next two weeks. But you look at Joe Burrow and what he was able to do, 23 of 38, 250 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, the first number one overall pick to lead his team to the Super Bowl in just his second year. And here locally, Drew, it's okay. We see Joe Burrow do it. Now it's all right. Why can't Kyler Murray or how far along is Kyler Murray from doing the same for – the Cardinals, as Burrow did with the Cincinnati Bengals. And keep in mind, Kyler's a year younger than Joe Burrow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy how it all sorts itself out. But uh, Kyler's definitely in that realm of possibility next year, right? That You look at everything, and, and I know that everybody's going to be frustrated, and we've talked about it on the show before. Okay, so they get to 11 wins next year. Everybody's going to be like, well, when's the collapse coming? And, and I don't think that's anything that's all outside noise. And, and when next year comes, you've got to be prepared for that. At the same time, Kyler has that ability to gravitate people and pull everybody along with him, and that's the most important part of leadership. People believe in Joe Burrow. People believed in Tom Brady. People believe in Matthew Stafford with the Los Angeles Rams. That's one of the biggest components of playing this position, that you're never out of a game because of who the signal caller is for you. And it's going to be very interesting because I've – 
dealt with that defense before in Aaron Donald. And if they gave up nine sacks to that defense, I can only imagine, you know, the those guys are frothing at the mouth with a healthy Vaughn Miller now and everybody else that they have. It's a great game. It's a setup. It's a setup and a, a matchup that nobody was really predicting, especially with a month to go in the season. Nobody foresaw this happening. The two number four seeds to still be alive because we were talking about how great Green Bay was and, and you know, getting Der- a healthy Derrick Henry back. But it goes to show turnovers matter so much in this league and the margin of error is just it's minuscule at this point because there's so much talent on the field this is the first time in Super Bowl history that you don't have a top three seed two four seeds and usually the sixth seed is, has been successful and that would have been the San Francisco 49ers the difference for me when I watch Joe Burrow is the leadership and how he commands the huddle and he's willing to sit in the pocket and make all the throws and that's where Kyler's got to grow up at is go through your progressions you know, I, I think having Colt McCoy definitely has helped, but it's, they got to take the next step. But he's just cool, calm, and collective, and you could see it. Uh, you don't, I mean, I'm sure when they're losing, if they pan him, we saw Patrick Mahomes sitting on the bench by himself when he was losing, didn't look good, Brady. So, it, unfortunately, when they go to the sidelines, but to me, he, he you could see they rally around Joe Burrow, and it's contagious with that roster. Rallied from 18 down, tying the largest deficit overcome in an AFC title game. And not that the Chiefs are going anywhere, because I do think Patrick Mahomes now is, I think, among the younger quarterbacks, if you want to call him that, is still top of the list when you talk about it. Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, uh, who am I, Josh Allen. Allen. So. It doesn't look good, but uh, you look at the AFC now as far as young quarterbacks. It's it's a stacked roster. It is, you know, and they talked about it last year when they lost the Super Bowl. Of Patrick said, "Hey, you know, even Kelsey was, we're here to win Super Bowls. We want to we want to do those things, but it just goes to show they've been in four straight AFC championship games at home and have one Super Bowl to show for it. So again, it." Everything starts with the quarterback, and you look at Joe Burrow, the maturity that he has to be able to get up every time and shake off those sacks and to to keep his eyes downfield. We've talked about looking at the rush or pulling your eyes down. That is a mental approach you have to be able to just have enough fortitude to, okay, I I can't let this affect me. My eyes have to stay up, and and it's a learned trait, and it's something you have to stay in the pocket and do, and Joe Burrow naturally has that. He's naturally gifted in that sense because he's done it time and time again. But the the AFC, uh, it's pretty impressive to see the number of quarterbacks that are there um, that are young, up-and-coming guys that can do it because everybody's going to be jockeying for position come playoff time, and whoever's quarterback is playing the best, i.e. Joe Burrow right now or Patrick Mahomes. Justin Herbert. Or Justin Herbert. I mean, that is going to be so intriguing to see when we get down there, but the the NFC doesn't have slouches either. I mean, there's guys that can break open games and put teams on their back as well there too. The thing is, though, you look at the AFC, it's loaded. Now you had Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Ben Roethlisberger, and then Joe Flacco. It seemed like those are the guys that won the championships. Dak Prescott, Matthew Stafford, if Rodgers goes to Denver, he's out of the conference, and then you throw Kyler Murray in there. So the competition shouldn't be as much as you have in the AFC. Yeah, depending on what happens with Russell. I mean, he's played at a pretty high championship no, level true. for a while. So Can we get yeah. him to the AFC too? <laughs> Yeah, let's ship them. I mean, yeah, just get them out of the division. You're right. right. I mean, you know? just, just get them gone. There's just a few quarterbacks, right, that have Super Bowl rings right now. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, Russell no. Wilson. 
Exactly, and it's because it becomes an entire team game at that point too, right? Like you look at ways to win championships and what guys need to do. And to your point last year, even with Drew Brees, right? Drew Brees goes out and throws three interceptions yep. when Tom throws one, and we still win a football game when I was on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a really tough atmosphere. Much like Ryan Tannehill, they were playing well. They were doing everything. He just had an off day. You just can't have off days in the playoffs. 27-24, the Bengals top the Chiefs in overtime to win the AFC. They will head to Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium for Super Bowl 56, where they will play the Rams, who knocked off the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. And we will discuss the NFC title game as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Craig Rayola, Drew Stanton, and Mike Drecke talking all things NFL. We do it yearly every Tuesday at 11 a.m. right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Shotgun snap. He cocks his arm. He throws a pass in the end zone. Backpedaling corner catch. Falling down cup. Touchdown Rams. They score first. In the back corner of the end zone, falling on the pylon. That penalty catch cup, a 16-yard strike. Third down one in the shotgun, the 11 of San Francisco. Stafford surveys. Shotgun snap, four-man rush, sets in the pocket, packs his arm, line drive, end zone, caught. Back pedaling, near side, cup, touchdown Rams. An 11-yard touchdown pass to Matthew Stafford. Hitting cup for the second time in the end zone today. Rams scored the game's final 13 points, beat the 49ers 20-17 to to win the NFC Championship and advance to the Super Bowl in two weeks. Kevin Harlan on Westwood 1 with the call of two Cooper Cup touchdowns, including that 11-yarder sandwiched around a pair of Matt Gay field goals to put the Rams ahead 20-17, to and that would be your game winners. We continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek. Get your seat in a seat. Craig Riolu, Drew Stanton, and Mike Jarecki. Got to, I'm not going to lie, Drew, I was... Uh I was really rooting hard for the 49ers for whatever reason. It's Ugh, I know it's a division rival, but uh, it, w- it would it would have been less painful for me <laughs> if the 49ers advanced. I'm a Bay Area guy than it gotcha. than for the Rams to be okay, there. Okay, I don't but know that you, about you. You have to figure out his relation with Matthew yeah, Stafford. I know, no doubt, exactly. I mean, that's that's all it was. With <laughs> it's just one that. person. <laughs> yeah, one one singular person um, was all it was. For sure. I mean, it was the lesser of two evils. I, I obviously wanted Matthew to win, uh, having spent the time with him I did in Detroit. But you look at what they're going to bring to that matchup, too. I mean, San Francisco was on borrowed time after what happened in Green Bay. When Jimmy like played as good as he could, but if your thumb is messed up, it's hard to go play quarterback and play at a high level. But he did it admirably. He kept going out there and doing it. Um, you know, And now the unknowns of what's to come for him. But you look at this duo that uh, and – you see Matthew and him on the same page with Cooper Cup. And it's from my perspective as a quarterback, it is so marvelous to see because Cooper always does the right thing. He's always where he's supposed to be. And even the touchdown, right? Like most guys have a two-way go. So this poor DB is like, okay, well, if I play outside, I know he's going to try and break inside and I can have help inside. Okay, if I play inside, then he's going to break out and I got sideline help. 
That one, he had a three-way go, stutter-stepped, and then went to the end zone, and there was nobody there. I mean, that's just the beauty you have of that versus even the week before against Tampa Bay, right? I talked to Matthew afterwards, and he was like, it was a ballsy call by B.A. to bring zero, but luckily I've got Cooper Cup, and I know he knows coverage too, and down the field to win the game. And that's something that as sexy as his numbers are, to be able to see it through the lens of a quarterback at wide receiver and then go out and execute it, you can't put a price tag on it. You can't put any kind of measuring stick on a guy that can go out and do it, and that's why this, he's had the success that he's had. Now, after that trade went down, how much time did they spend together working out on their own between Cup and Stafford? Uh, I don't know exactly. I know Matthew works tirelessly at his craft of what he's doing. And the beauty about Matthew Stafford is he he is such a laid-back individual. He doesn't read social media, even though his wife's all over social media. Um you know, and they're both great people. He just he's never been that way. And honestly, if I was running a franchise, I want the Matthew Staffords, the Carson Palmers, the Andrew Lux of the world that don't read social media, that don't do any of that other crap because that's all tied into the package because when you're out there and you're putting yourself out there, everybody wants to know like what's going on, doing all of it. These guys just stay focused. They do what they do. And I know that, I mean, it's well documented about the, how much time they would like spend eating breakfast and talking about things, but picking each other's brains. Matthew is a student of the game, and he's been stuck in Detroit for a decade, and nobody knew the value of what he was because he was, he's not a self-promoter. He's not doing any of this. But you can see the joy in which he plays the game when he goes out there and does it at an extremely high level, and he's just always the same guy. And that's what you know I've talked about on the show. That's how I want my quarterback. I, I want to be able to look at the quarterback, and I don't want to tell if we're up by 50 or down by 50. And with Matthew, you you can't and you go out and you play the next play and you just continue to, to plug away at things and that's why he has been such a an important piece because the pressure has been on him everybody on the outside saying Matthew Stafford's here he's got so much pressure there's nobody with more the guy was 0-3 in the playoffs because he went on the road to Seattle on the road to Dallas on the road to New Orleans and I was at that game 0-3 in the playoffs is pretty reasonable to expect at that point when you're with the Detroit Lions. You get home playoff games, you get all of this rapport on top of that, and people look at him, and when you look at the leader of your team and he is unflappable, that team takes on that persona. And now 3-0 and this postseason run, but the biggest stat is one turnover, and that's been his issue regular season, postseason, is he's going to give you a couple of chances. Now, he should have been picked off. Oh, man. Uh, believe me, I was like, <laughs> no, yes, yes, Jaquaski. And I'm like, immediately, I'm like, did Odell run the wrong route there? Because there's two guys in the same spot. I'm trying to blame everybody else because I'm a fan <laughs> at that point. Now I'll say this. Everyone wants to point to that play, but there was there was still almost 10 minutes left to go in the ball game. So that did not cost no. the 49ers or allow the Rams to win it. It was one play magnified in the fourth quarter, but there was still going to be another possession or two. Exactly, and there's four to, I mean, four to five plays that are going to determine every outcome. If if uh, the wide receiver from Notre Dame catches that ball, um, number 18, I don't remember his name, for the Rams, whatever his name was, if, in the first half, if he catches that post, and Matthew threw it a little behind, if he catches that post, that's seven points. If they make the field goal, that's ten points that they're up. So the ebbs and flows of that game, I agree with you. That one play did not determine the outcome of the game. Now, had he picked it off, it could have potentially changed it. But that offense was in a mode of let's keep it close and see if we can win it type of mentality of San Francisco because they scored on that screen pass to Debo Samuel and they kept throwing it and just getting him in space. I mean, the, he is so extremely talented and 
what he does with his skill set so unique. But again, I don't think it was one play that kind of set everything up or anything like that. It felt like the Rams were in control the entire time. It never felt like, oh man, this game's in the balance or it's going to tilt over to San Francisco. Not one play, but one decision. Fourth and two, punt or go for it in that situation if you're Kyle Shanahan. And I think that said more about the 49ers offensively and say, all right, I trust my defense more than right now Jimmy Garoppolo and someone else to get those two yards. And it was a long, as they like to say, there is a difference. There was, it was a long two yards. Yeah, but we've talked about it before on this show too. If you know you're in kind of that like gray area of going for it, I don't think their third down call is then to send Trent True. Williams in motion and try and blow somebody up and then hand <laughs> it back off the juice back underneath. At that point, you spread it out or you try and do something and maybe put yourself in a better position because that like it was a long two even to begin with. Uh, it's hard to say, but just as befuddling would be also then the Rams' decision to challenge a quarterback sneak, and they just looked disoriented at times. I mean, it, it was like, you know, Sean McVay was trying to prove that Shanahan wasn't in his head <laughs> the whole time, but it was like it was almost like he was playing puppet master at times of like, okay, challenge it here. And, you know, they tried to line up and do all this stuff, and, and it was just interesting because it is a chess match because they both know each other so well. But I completely agree with Kyle's decision to punt the ball and try and rely on their defense because that defense is extremely talented. They've relied on it all year. D'Amico Ryans has stepped in and done a tremendous job with everybody there. And when you've got a middle linebacker that's – top two or three in this league, I mean, he's going to make a splash play for you and you can do all these things. So th- that decision wasn't surprising either. 20-17, to 17, the final Rams rally past the 49ers. They're in the Super Bowl for the second time in four seasons, their fifth Super Bowl appearance overall. And you've talked about it a lot, MJ, that this, this was the season. They pointed to this year based off the decision to trade golf for Matthew Stafford and then add a Von Miller and add an OBJ, but don't forget those were depth reasons, not because they were hurt at those two positions. They lost Robert Woods the same day Beckham was signed, so that's just kind of a happenstance circumstances on that, but this now, we talk about pressure. Yeah, all the pressure is on the Rams. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, I mean, they had a target on their back. I think their owner, Stan Kroenke, made it very clear I don't want to see another team play in this stadium in the Super Bowl, let alone they hosted the NFC Championship game. And so I, I got to give them credit because that was the goal. Uh, just like the Bucks last year, they went all in, obviously getting Gronk out of retirement and going after different players, and Brady was obviously recruiting. So you got to give Sean McVay. I mean, he, he had that team rolling. And so, and I, think, I still think as long as they got McVay and, and um, Matthew Stafford, I think the Rams are still – going to be the team to beat in the next couple of years. They're not going away. So, But I, I just look at it like you know, Odell Beckham Jr., he fit right in. I mean, obviously the, you got to worry about the chemistry and the route running and stuff like that, but he definitely gave him a lift. Von Miller gave him a lift. And then I took a lot of pressure off of Aaron Donald. Jalen Ramsey, he didn't have to do as much as he did. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was impressive. I and mean, trust me, I was I was not rooting for them at all. <laughs> Because they come across arrogant, but you know what? They proved they proved me wrong, and everyone else is where. Hey, we had a goal here, and we're going to try to achieve it. And I do like Sean McVay, and I like really? a lot of those He's players. Arrogant now. I mean, you're talking maybe about maybe it's just the way he acts, <laughs> big, big, but he does it with a smile on his face. For sure. Oh yeah. And, and and with Aaron Donald, as much as he's accomplished, it's the one thing that he doesn't have is a Super Bowl. And 
just to cap off his career. And, you know, there are players over there that I do like. Just, again, I wanted the 49ers in yeah. there. Just, I don't know. Just. Well, that's your big area ties, yeah. and also working with the Arizona Cardinals. By the way, when we talk about the Super Bowl in our uh, next segment, you're going to love who I'm rooting for in this Super Bowl 56. <laughs> Might have some issues here. The Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. We will discuss Super Bowl 56. Get Drew's take on the Bengals and Rams coming up on Sunday, February 12th. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. spoke earlier february 13th 4 30 on nbc super bowl 56 bengals and the rams you know gentlemen we went 54 years without a team playing in its home stadium in the super bowl and now we're doing it in back-to-back years last year tampa bay this year the rams SoFi Stadium, but I saw this Ian Rappaport of NFL Network MJ tweeted yesterday that the Rams are technically the road team well, in this game. That's because they alternate each year, regardless of who's hosting. So this year it's the uh, the AFC team. But I hope they get to use their own locker room and they're not in the visiting locker room. That would be an yeah, issue. Who knows? I mean, the white uniforms are kind of cool, in my opinion. So good for them. You're, Drew, are you a uniform guy, Drew? Uh, as long as they're not, I'm not like a huge uniform okay. guy, but if they're ugly, I'll, yeah. I mean, there's some ones that try and do too much. What kind of Super Bowls is going to be in L.A., though? Because, you know, the NFL Network, you can literally walk from the NFL Network over to Sci-Fi Stadium. you got to figure ESPN's been studying where they're going to be. Uh, between the halftime show, all the parties, I mean, this thing is going to be off the charts. Yeah, I mean, the, every time that they show the game, they so, show the stars that are there. It's like yeah. watching a Lakers game, and I'm like, okay, Leonardo DiCaprio in a mask. Awesome. What does that mean? <laughs> Sweet. It's uh, going to be a lot of fun coming up on February 13th as we talk about it here. We've got plenty of time, but this is our, our opportunity to get uh, Drew's take on it. And uh, I know your heart says the Rams because of Matthew Stafford. I'm rooting heavily for the Cincinnati Bengals just because I do not want a division rival winning the Super Bowl, but that's just me. But (laughs) my head is telling me that the Rams are the better team and will win this game. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I always contend I root for players and not teams. So I've been a Matthew Stafford fan. I'm not per se a Rams fan by any means. I like to see a good football game. 
you know, as we closed out the last segment, I was talking about the arrogance of Sean McVay. And it bothers me the fact that he's like, well, Jared Goff's not any good. I want to trade him out for Matthew. So, the, I mean, those are the things that you see that are, um, you know, just not great ways to operate when you're the head of an organization. But it's paying off in spades for them right now because they could win a Super Bowl. They're one of two teams left. I would love to see Matthew get a ring. But at the same time, it's hard to bet against these Bengals. I mean, they're pesky. They, they All three phases, they never feel like they're out of a football game. And similar to this Cardinals team, they have two elite young safeties that make plays. They're very disruptive. They're very active. I mean, they got the ball. One deflected the ball. The other one picked it off in overtime to help set up their win. Those are the guys that you need that are consistently showing up on film. They're consistently leading and rallying the troops, much like when Aaron Donald circled everybody up and said when you when those type of men speak everyone listens and each one of these teams has those kind of guys joe burrow has that kind of talent it's interesting because both tight ends got hurt which one comes back because they're both big pieces and we saw what a detriment it is to you lose a all-around tight end type of a guy in the run game in the pass game and doing that because that's a huge asset in the middle of the field especially when you're talking about good safeties or different guys or matchups of where Jalen Ramsey's gonna go based off of who's out there and and granted the Cincinnati Bengals have three great wide receivers that can each go over 100 yards Odell stepped up and filled an extreme void of, of Robert Woods being gone. Um, but if Tyler Higby's not there, it's a lot easier to cover two guys than three. I, there's so many great storylines within all of this. Um, two number one overall picks. You do all of that. And, and it's, uh, the best part is, uh, as being a part of it last year, as soon as the ball kicked off, it's football. It's football for the guys that are prepared. And the schedule that this is is so different, so unique. The people that can handle this, this two-week time period and the segment of it, uh, those are the people that that usually come out victorious. Because even last year when we were in Tampa, we practiced that extended halftime. And I was like, why are we doing I was like, oh, this makes sense. This is a 30-minute halftime or whatever it is for TV ads, all of those things. So no stone was left unturned with Tom Brady for this two-week time period. And I might have sent that schedule to Matthew. Okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Take care of your business before you get there, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, I'll say this, though. You know, when you get to this time of the year, you rely on your best players. I thought the star players from the Rams and Bengals all stepped up, and that was the difference where, yes, you're going to have a maybe a guy that's been a backup and he gets the throw in the ball, but when your star players play like a five-star players, it showed up, and that's the reason why these two teams are playing in Super Bowl. Now, Craig, silver lining, if the Rams win it all, can the Cardinals say they lost to the best team in football? Yeah, you can always say that. And then you hope maybe that it's the Super Bowl hangover the next season and they are, and they get too ahead of themselves and players who are free agents want to get paid and then all of a sudden it's a different Rams team in 2022. Okay, maybe I can buy that. And the, I, and the 49ers I think that the being, Bengals are never going to be – I mean, the Bengals have just as good a chance. I know the line opened to, what, three and a half, but it's like, okay, that can go whichever way you want. And obviously there were seven-point underdogs before. Right. So you throw all that out, and it's the preparation. It's who can stay in the moment. And Joe Burrow has shown he has the resiliency to overcome. I mean, he stands in there and continues to make throws. But Matthew's capable of doing the same thing. It's going to come down, much like this first playoff game, who can protect the football and who can make the big plays. That's it. How much of this is we kind of bring the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by Seat Geek? Get your seat in a seat full circle. We started this week's show talking about Tom Brady, and you look at his first Super Bowl win going up against Kurt Warner and the Los Angeles Rams. No one gave the Patriots any shot at winning that contest. 
Are we seeing now with the Rams and Matthew Stafford, it's not the Patriots, but it's a Bengals team led by a young quarterback who is unflappable in the postseason? Uh, yes and no. I mean, uh, you can draw on all those storylines. I think that Zach Taylor showed a great job of having these guys prepared to play. And if they get punched in the mouth, they're not going to back down. And that's really what you want. And you want to be able to be clicking in every facet. They have relied on this underdog story for the entire longevity of the playoffs besides beating the Raiders but you know they had to go in and they had to play a a good clean football game and they did that against the Titans and then they were able to go on the road and weather a storm of the barrage of offense that we all saw in that first half and then find a way to win in the second half they make adjustments they do all the things you need to do so it's going to be a really good game and you know quite honestly if I had to pick a winner right now my money would be on the Bengals okay I remember MJ you know, the Bengals, after beating Baltimore in Week 7, they were the talk of the league. And then they went 2-4. and four, And then they fell off the face of the earth. Now, all of a sudden, here they are, that underdog status. And they're, it's become a rallying cry. Oh, they got a shot. I mean, who's the most talented team? Well, who plays the best on that day? But I think both of these teams are physical, and they're going to get after it. I just hoping for a really good game. By the way, Cincinnati school children have the day off regardless <laughs> on that Monday. That was announced. That should be a national holiday. It should. I think we're working our way towards that eventually here. All right, so Bengals and Rams on Sunday, February 13th, and still plenty of time to discuss it here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Special thanks behind the scenes, Jim Mahundro, Jeff Darge, for Drew Stanton, Mike Jarecki. I'm Greg Riolu. We'll talk to you in one week's time. Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatKey here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Kirk, he got it! He's in! Touchdown! Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score! Touchdown! Oh, baby! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown! Cardinals win! This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. (laughs) 